0: Glad to be here tonight. Uh, it's a it's a honorable thing to serve Yahweh. It's a great thing to serve Yahweh. We get a lot of pleasure out of it. I get a lot of pleasure out of teaching, not because not because I necessarily like to teach, but uh, I get a lot of pleasure out of um, serving Yahweh, being obedient. You know, we can uh, we can't honor Him any other way. We can't show Him that we love Him in any other way other than just being obedient to Him. That's the way that we show Him that we love Him. And uh, so I'm thankful that I get the opportunity tonight to show Him that I love Him and being obedient and teaching the Scriptures and trying to edify the saints. Um, I pray that He's honored in that. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, open them up to the book of Ephesians. We'll pick up where I where we left off the last time I taught. It's been a... It's been a great study going through the book of Ephesians, and I feel like, at least for myself, I've learned so much through it, all two years of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was counting the other day, I've taught 26 messages through the book of Ephesians, and it's been two years. Right. It's, it's been two years. So maybe by, Yahweh won't take me out of here and I'll get finished with this thing. <laughs> but uh, the last time I taught, we covered uh, verses 3 through 5 in the 5th chapter ...of the book of Ephesians, and we dealt with the sexual immorality that is not to be heard of among the saints. We talked about how prevalent it has become in the world, and um, not just in the world itself, but also it has crept, in the, crept into the workplace and outside activities, and yes, even the church. We discussed the Greek word porneia and uh, what, it, what it means... And how it's not just a word to describe the physical act of sexual immorality itself, but also all the unrighteousness that goes along with, the, with it, such as uh, filthy speech and crude joking and um, mental, mental thoughts, things of that nature. And then we also covered verses 5, the warning from Paul against anyone who participated in these activities. Now in previous sermons on the first five verses of chapter 5, if you remember, I laid out a four-step process by which Paul has illustrated the right and wrong ways to be imitators of Yahweh in the sense of love. In verse 1, Paul gave us the plan of Yahweh for our lives as his children. We're to be imitators of him in our love for one another, and in short, our love for one another is to be a sacrificial love, one of service. ...to each other, the same way his love is for us. And in verse 2, Paul gave us the pattern for the way that we are to, to love, to walk in love. He uses the case of our Lord and his sacrificial offering to Yahweh on our behalf as the perfect example. In other words, the perfect example of the love walk to believers is to sacrifice ourselves for the welfare of others... ...as an effort to show love to one another. We talked about how love was not an emotion but rather it was a service of self as a rendering of service for someone we care about, a sacrifice of ourself to to show somebody that we care about them by rendering service. Then in verse 3 and verse 4, Paul gives us the perversion, which is the sin of sexual immorality that the world offers as a substitute of the true idea of love provided to us by Yahweh. And lastly in verse 5, Paul gave us the fourth part, which was the punishment of our actions if we partake in the ungodly sense of love or sexual immorality. And the punishment is complete and total separation from Yahweh. That's what you have to look forward to if you partake in the sin. Paul tells us if we partake in these things that we are excluded from the kingdom, that we have no inheritance in the kingdom. Folks, I don't know about you guys, but that speaks volumes to me. speaks volumes to me. Um... This is something that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of the kingdom. That's the reason that I'm here. Is because I want to do Yahweh things and be part of His kingdom. Now, i tell you all that as a reminder and a recap of where we left off last time. Some people may have been here, may not have been here, and it's been a couple months Uh since I talked about it, and I I do that as a way to bring you back to your remembrance, the previous context, which leads us to what we're going to study today, so let's read verses 6 through 14 in the the 5th chapter of, of Ephesians, and then I want to go over verses 6 through 11 with you, starting in verse 6, it says, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. For because of these things, the Almighty's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Therefore, do not become their partners, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear, for what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, Get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. What a section of verses, huh? What a section of verses. This is good stuff. Let's look at verse 6. It says, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments. What does that mean for us today? How does that impact us? Well, before I discuss what it means for us today let's uh let 's go back and see how does this statement impact the believers of Ephesus and whom the letter was originally wrote okay i don 't know if you remember a few sermons back, which would have been I guess several months ago now. We talked about the culture in in Ephesus yeah. and how steep they were in pagan worship and pagan idolatry and other things, but also how steep they they were in sexual immorality okay even even to the extent. Of worshiping their idols. So, uh, we might, we might not know exactly what empty arguments means in verse six, they were being, that they were being persuaded by, but we do know it was leading them to, in the direction of sexual immorality. Thus, Paul gives them the warning against it right here. Maybe they were doctrinal deceptions. Maybe people were told that Yahweh didn't frown upon premarital sex or adulterous relationships or drunken orgies even because the pagan gods delighted in orgies and things of that nature. Okay, So they may have been told that Yahweh would approve of the same. I don't know exactly what was said. Or maybe it was just practical deception, the encouragement of others that enjoyed such practices so that they wouldn't be alone in their sin but rather feel good in it because they were accompanied by other people doing the exact same thing. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's how they were being persuaded. Either way, Paul gives the warning here. He says, not to be deceived with empty arguments. Right? And this warning carries over for us today in the world that we live in today. There are thousands of ways that we can be deceived regarding sexual immorality. One of the biggest ways that I can think of is through media. All right? How many TV shows are out there that promote these infidelities? Almost all of them. Almost everything that you turn on is vulgar in some sense. Not just fictional TV shows, but commercials, reality TV, documentaries, newsreels. Just about everything in all various types of uh, media promotes some type of sexual impurity. Okay, whether, it's the, whether it be the same-sex relationships, pornography, vulgar speech, adultery, changing gender, or how you identify sexually, or even non-gender craziness, it's insane all the immoralities that are put right in our face every day through all kinds of media influence. And we're not just encouraged and influenced to participate in all this mess, but we are actually supported in our actions if you do so. You're supported. you got some rights. you got some rights. If you don't like being born a boy, you can change that. And you'll be applauded for standing up for your rights to be a girl even though you were born a boy. Or your right to be neither, boy or girl, whatever that is. Okay, If you aren't satisfied with your wife or your husband, you can just cheat on them and uh, you'll be applauded for that. Because we're all entitled to do whatever makes us happy. We live in an anything goes society. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you, this is deception at its finest. Deception at its finest. These kinds of things are exactly what Paul is warning us about in verse 6. He says, Let no one, let no thing, let no person, no media deceive you with empty arguments. Don't let anyone deceive you with empty arguments. Why? Well, the rest of verse 6 tells us why. It says, For because of these things, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Mm -hmm. Yahweh's wrath is coming on the disobedient, so don't let these people deceive you. I hope you heard that. The wrath of Yahweh is the punishment for those sexual immoralities. And by the way, the words, these things right there in verse 6, those words, these things in verse 6, is how you know that sexual immorality is what is in mind here. Okay? These things are a direct reference to the preceding block of verses where it says in verses 3 and verse 4 that sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not be heard of among you and coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable. Because the last part of verse 6 tells us, for because of these things, the wrath of Yahweh is coming. Okay? That's these things that are being talked about. I'm reminded of Abraham and Lot and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. The people in those cities were infested with sexual immorality. Even to the point of the men of the city riding around Lot's house, an effort to make Lot send out the angels that had visited him so that they might sleep with them. Well, you know the story. It didn't happen. Everybody knows the story in here. It didn't happen. But Yahweh destroyed the entire city because of the sexual immorality. Okay? So my point is this, that the wrath of Yahweh was brought down on these cities because of the sin of sexual immorality. See, not only will you not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh, not only is there a spiritual punishment here, but also, there is an earthly, immediate punishment for such sin as well. Okay? That was an earthly judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. What happens to them in eternal life? Who knows, but, but the earthly judgment was, was destruction. Okay? So along with eternal ruin in the heavenly realm, there's also a temporal judgment and punishment in this realm. Think about all the sexually transmitted diseases that go along today. They're prevalent. In our society today, I, I, hear, I hear talk about them all the time. AIDS and syphilis and all the other, all the other um, diseases uh, that, that are mentioned. I believe that these are judgments for sexual immorality and they are allowed by Yahweh as a wrath against the disobedient. I believe that that's what they are. Now, grace can be given. Can grace be given? Sure it can. And maybe you will escape the wrath of Yahweh as mercy. But that doesn't give you a license to sin against the Holy One of Israel, and to uh, forsake what you know as right, just for the sake of your own worldly pleasure. Folks, verse verse seven says, "Therefore, do not become their partners." Therefore, we all know that means. For this reason, (laughs) what reason? For this reason, for the reason and the fact that you can be destroyed and possibly lose your kingdom inheritance, for this reason, do not be their partners. Do not partner with people in this. This this is the second warning by Paul. Do not partner with these people and their sin. It's pretty plain. I don't think a whole lot has to go into those words. I don't think we have to elaborate on it too much. It's pretty plain. If you like the promises that are given to the righteous, then you act as the righteous one did Okay? If you desire that lustful lifestyle of the heathen, that's fine. Just expect the heathen's judgment because that's what you're gonna get. Wow. Okay? Let's turn to Romans real quick. Romans chapter one. I'll give you a second to get there. It's not real far, but uh might take you a second to find it. Romans chapter one, and I want to start in verse eighteen, I'm just gonna read three verses, but In Romans chapter 1 and in verse 18, it says, For Yahweh's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about the Almighty is evident among them, because the Almighty has shown it to them. From the creation of the world, His invisible attributes... That is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew the Almighty, they did not glorify him as the Almighty or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking become nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. See, as Romans explains right here, it's not because you don't know as a believer that the requirements of Yahweh are what they are. You should know that as a, as a believer. You don't, you don't really have an excuse. Paul says that his divine nature, his eternal power, and his invisible attributes have been seen since the creation. This is not hidden. So we're without excuse. It's because our thinking has become nonsense and our minds are darkened that we act wickedly. Maybe our minds are darkened by deception. Maybe they're, maybe that we're deceived by media. Maybe we're deceived by the world that we live in. Maybe that's the case. But nonetheless, Yahweh's... Purity, holiness, godliness has always been. It's always been. Maybe we believe what we want to hear because it benefits us. Okay? Rather than accepting the truth of Scripture. Maybe our our standard becomes what the world thinks of us rather than than this right here. Paul says don't be deceived. James says, he says it's your own fault. Mm. He says that we're tempted by our own evil desires and then we're drawn away. And once that takes place, the desire gives birth to sin. And when that sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Folks, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Wake up and open your eyes. Don't let the world around you convince you that your sin is okay. Just because they applaud it or laugh at it doesn't mean that it's okay with Yahweh. It will cause you earthly destruction. And worse, it will cause you eternal ruin. What place do we as believers have amongst the heathens? We're called to be a holy people. We're called to be set apart. Called to be set apart, separate from the world. So separate yourselves. Don't participate in the counterfeit idea of love that Satan offers. It's nothing but wickedness and darkness. Okay? This leads us to verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It says this. It says, For you you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. A while back, I laid out the different kinds of walks that are taught throughout chapters 4 and 5 in the the book of Ephesians before I started the fifth chapter, okay? We covered the walk of humility and the walk of unity, and we just covered the walk of love recently, all right? But here in verse 8 of chapter 5, we're seeing another walk, and this is the light walk or the walk of light, okay? Paul says, we were once darkness. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, light and darkness are contrasting characters depicting good and evil. In chapter 4 and verse 17 and 18, Paul says, You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. And the futility of their thoughts darkened, darkened, remember the word, darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of Elohim. So the Gentiles are excluded from Yahweh because their ways are futile and they're far off track. The contrast is between righteousness and wickedness. In John chapter 8 and in verse 12, the Messiah says this. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay? In First John chapter 1 and verse 5 through 7, John says this. He says, Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare for you. Yahweh is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Yeshua, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you say that you have light or you have life and you walk in darkness, you're lying to yourself. You don't. You don't. You're fooled. You're fooled. So the comparison between light and darkness is a contrast between righteousness and wickedness, righteousness and wickedness, good versus evil kind of thing. It is used so many times throughout the Scripture, so many times. I had tons of examples or tons of verses to go through, and I just used a couple of them. But it's, it's all through the Scriptures. So once we were darkness, but now we, are, we walk as new creatures. We have been conformed from the old man to the new man. We no longer are bound to the sinful man and to the sinful flesh. But we're freed from that in order that the light that is in us now might shine through to all of the people that are around us, that we might light up the world. So once we've been transformed and the old man is removed, the command is to walk as children of light. This is our calling, saints. We're commanded to do this. This is the command of Paul here. But prior to Paul, it was the command of the one who went before him. It was the command of Yeshua in Matthew chapter 5, where he says in verse 14 and following, he says this, he says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. But rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Not give glory to you, not recognize you, but they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Folks, this is one of your callings as children of the Most High. I hear people say all the time, I don't know if I have a calling. I don't know what my calling is. Well, here's a calling for you. You're called to be a children who to walk in light. A child who walks in light. You're called to do that. You're called to walk in righteousness and in purity and in truth. And keep in mind that righteousness is defined by the truths of the Scripture, not by what you think, by the truths of the Scripture. That's what defines righteousness. Holiness is defined by the, by the truths of the Scripture. So we're to walk in light for this reason, because the fruit of the light results in all goodness, all righteousness, and truth. That's verse 9. The call for us to be children of light is for our own good and for the sake of others as well. However, the walk of light is a direct reflection of that which lives within us. Okay? When the Messiah dwells within us, we have no choice but to display the indwelling light that He is. His very presence in our lives should produce righteousness, goodness, and truth. And not only should it produce that, it will produce it. It's inevitable. It has to work this way. Let me give you an example. When I was studying this, I couldn't help but think about agriculture. I've been plowing around the house and stuff like that and tilling up the ground and all that kind of stuff, so it kind of stays on my mind. But I couldn't help but think about the agriculture. And uh, it just kind of dawned on me, do you know what darkness produces or creates in agriculture? It It creates death, okay? Death. Darkness causes the trees and the plants to either die or become dormant. Too much darkness will kill all trees. Okay, but either either way they if they if they get a little bit of light they'll go they'll go dormant when the when the sunlight starts to fade and the time frame of the sun is lessened into the winter months of the year, the trees lose their leaves and the flowers die off, and the vibrance and the beauty of all vegetation is gone. okay? Well, that's because of the lack of light. I hope you see the correlation is our is our personal walk not the same way as agriculture is? As long as the light of the world is ever present within us, then we will look vibrant. We will shine forth the goodness of Yahweh, yes. and we will estimate the. We will em, emanate the love and the goodness of our Messiah. Yes. But when the light is not present, we will become, we will become dark. We will look like a cold, dark city where no lights are burning, where mold grows in the dark places, where wickedness takes place. I want you to think about a dark alley in a big city where the buildings block out all the light. That's where the thieves hang out, waiting for someone to come their way. Okay? The streets are dark. They're damp. They never dry up. The rodents and the roaches crawl around and pick up the rotten scraps that have been left behind. Folks, I don't want to be a dark alley. I don't want to be a dark alleyway. I want to be a a vibrant light that burns with authority. Okay, I want to be I want to be so on fire that when I walk into a room, I light it up. I light it up. I I, I want when someone sees me, I want them to say, wow, now that's a holy man full of goodness, truth and righteousness. There's something different about him. There's a light that shines forth from him. That's what I want people to see in me. I don't want anybody to say anything at my funeral except that man was sold out for Yahweh. If he didn't have anything else going for him, he was sold out for him. His whole life was dedicated to the Father. If, if, if I can leave this world and somebody say anything about me, I hope that's what they say about me. I don't want them to say, man, he, he was a successful businessman. He did great things. He, uh, you know, won ball games, whatever. I, I want them to say that, that was Yahweh's child. And you could see it everywhere he went, everywhere he was at. There was a light that, that, that come off of him. Okay? I want people to be around me because I'm a pleasure to be around, because my deeds resemble that of our Savior. Amen. I desire to be that way. Now sometimes I might look like a candle flickering in a window. Okay? <laughs> I may get a little low oil from time to time, but that shouldn't be the norm. That shouldn't be the norm. We all go we all go through valleys. We all we all get spiritually weak. You know, the book of James talks about calling for the elders when you're spiritually weak. So, uh, that's what we're supposed to do, but, but that shouldn't be the norm. I should be on fire if I can be on fire. Okay? Whether it be because, how many, how many people in here know somebody who's just miserable? to be around. I'm sure that everybody in here knows somebody that's just miserable to be around. And Whether whether it be because they're wicked or just because they're just a negative Nancy all the time, they never have anything positive to say. Either way, these kinds of people never light up the situation. It never happens. Okay, They always drag you down. Well, children of light should not look this way. If we're filled with the Messiah, we will shine bright because of what is in us. I want my light to shine. They sing a song. August Rain sings, sings a song, show me your light, show me your light. It's, it's super spiritual if you listen to the words of the song. It's not, a, it's, not just a, it's not just a song, okay? I desire to be what is required of me. I want, I want to be what Yahweh requires, I, requires me to be, a city set on a hill whose light shines bright. And I hope that you do too. It's something that we all should desire. Let's look at verse 10. It says, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Not only are we to be, what verse 9 says, righteous, full of goodness and truth, but also we are called in verse 10 to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is our job as children of light. Okay? Now, in order to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, we need a spirit of discernment. Praise Yahweh. I believe that we're given that at our transformation. At regeneration, I believe we're given a spirit of discernment. But let me say this. That spirit must be exercised. Okay? It, has to, it has to be exercised. It has to be used. And in order to discern between what is pleasing and not pleasing, you have to first know it, what is pleasing and not pleasing. Okay, You have to know what is pleasing to Yahweh. And folks, listen to this. Just, let, just hear me in this. If you don't get anything else out of this lesson, get this. Your standard, your paradigm must be the Holy Scriptures. That's got to be your paradigm. If, 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 you, if you don't have the scriptures as your standard, you can't possibly know what's pleasing to Yahweh. You can't know. You can't know. Okay, Proverbs 14 and verse 12, it says this. It says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but in the end, the way is death. Okay, So what is pleasing to Yahweh is not necessarily what you think is pleasing. What is pleasing to Yahweh is what He deems to be pleasing. Okay, think about the golden incident, the golden calf incident, in Exodus chapter thirty-two. I think Matthew mentioned it a couple couple sermons ago. But uh, the people of Israel thought that they were doing good by worshiping Yahweh through the calf. Yeah. Okay, Aaron even told them he had just made the calf, said it before him, and he told him. He said, "Tomorrow will be a-, a feast unto Yahweh, or today is a feast unto Yahweh." I think it's today. Um, but Yahweh burned with anger. He considered it idolatry. Even though the Israelites thought they were pleasing Yahweh, they were, they were so far off track, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And if they, if they only knew, if they only knew that that's not pleasing to Yahweh, well, we know better. We know what idolatry is. We know what Yahweh demands of us, what He asks of us. And so we're, we're to have that discerning spirit to, to know the difference. So just because it seems right in our eyes doesn't mean that it is. If it's not determined or deemed holy by Yahweh, then it's not holy. Verses 9 and 10 of Ephesians says, The fruit of light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to Yahweh. In other words, this is what the light that is in you will do. Okay? It will cause you to produce goodness, righteousness, and truth. And by these things you will discern what is pleasing to Yahweh. And all these things are a result of what is living within you. Now, not not only do these things produce that which is holy, but also they do something else. Let's read verse 11. It says, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. So not only does the light produce righteousness, but it also does what? It exposes the fruitless works of darkness. Okay? The works of darkness that the light exposes, the works of darkness that the light exposes that we are not to participate in, are the things that Yahweh's wrath is coming on. Okay, it's these things in verse six, which in turn is all that is encompassed in verse three and four. If you could make circles in your Bible, you could draw these things to the thing, the block of verses in three and four, all the way, all the way down, and it just kind of links together. Just follows the pronouns and. Things like that. But anyway, we're still talking about so we're we're still talking about sexual immorality. Just because the chapters are divided doesn't mean that the context is. Okay? So what Paul is saying is is this the light that dwells in you, this light that is made manifest in your life, this walk of light not only produces and emanates the life of Christ through you, not only does it produce righteousness in you and goodness and truth, not only does it gives you, give you a sense of discernment to know what is pleasing to Yahweh, but the light also exposes the work of darkness. Okay? It lights up that dark alleyway. It reveals all the filth that is going on. Think about a dark dark alley downtown Atlanta. Let's say I'm walking down the street at night and I pass by this this long dark, alley and in the back of it I hear some murmuring coming from some people in the distance and I can see the silhouette of trash cans and I can hear cats kind of squealing and bottles clinking I can hear the cry of a woman in distress maybe even smell the the, the uh, I guess the stench of a drunk laying up in an old pile of clothes I'm trying to paint a picture here I'm talking about a, a bad place a place that is dark a place that is gloomy where all wickedness takes place. A place that you really don't want to be called alone in. And for the sake of illustration, let me say let me let let's say that I'm standing at the entrance to that dead end dark alley. And while it's dark, there's there was no light down the alley, and all the wickedness that is taking place in there is done in secret. Okay? And it's done in darkness. It's not revealed. You can't see what's going on down there. All the wickedness is taking place in darkness. But let's say I take a big spotlight. And I shine it down that alley. What happens? All that darkness, all that wickedness, and all that evil is exposed. It's exposed. Now, I can see clearly what's going on. The filth has come to light. It's no longer hidden, but rather it's exposed. It's the same way with us, saints. When Yahweh gives you a regenerate heart, He exposes all the darkness. Okay. He reveals to us our wickedness. He shines a big old spotlight on our filth that has consumed our soul, that's consuming our soul. And then He places within us an ever-burning light. That's His Spirit. He puts, it within, he puts within us the light of the world, the faith in our Lord and Savior, and He sets us on a new path. Hallelujah. Jerry was talking about that a while ago. He converts us and He makes us new creatures. Now, since we're new creatures with bright shining lights, okay, we're all commanded not to participate in the works of darkness. All right? But rather, use our righteousness and holiness that we have been given to do what? Expose the evil deeds of the world. All right? Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, let me tell you what this does not mean before I tell you what it does mean. It does not mean that because you are the light of the world, that you have a license to go around telling everyone you see who doesn't act the way you do that they are lost they're darkened, evil people who are headed straight to hell. It's not a license to do that. Okay, That's not what it means. For you to expose something doesn't mean that you are to fix it or to fix people. It simply means you make it known. You bring it to light. When Yahweh exposed your sin by creating in you a new heart, He didn't just fix everything that was wrong. right? He, he allowed you to see what's wrong. That's what the law does. It's perfect in converting the soul. When you when you realize where you're wrong, you can start working on those kind of things. Okay, if Yahweh would have fixed everything, it would have done away with the whole term sanctification. All right, we grow, we grow. That's the way our lives work. We grow. So when when Yahweh exposes our sin, we recognize our sin. We start to work on those things, and that's what we call sanctification, all the way to a glorification state. Okay, all right. What he did do is expose our sin. He give us a desire to work on it. He give us a desire to fix it. That's your part. This is this is what you have to do with your walk. That's what you get to do. Yahweh did the rest of it. You get to work. You get to act, okay? Yahweh gives you the ability to act, then it's up to you to act. In accordance to the grace that's been given to you. It's the same way for us being children of light. We are made light so that wherever we go, we shine forth and make evident that which is darkness. We light up the room every time we go in there, okay? When Israel was called to be a light unto the nations, and they were called to be a light unto the nations, the salvation didn't begin and stop with Israel. Salvation was given to Israel. Holiness, set-apartness was given to Israel so that they could go into the world and light up the rest of the world so the rest of the world would look at Israel and say, Wow, look at that. What kind of mighty one did they serve? We want to be like them. That was the whole idea for Israel, okay? So when they, when Israel was called to be a light into the nation, they were not commanded to go into the world and condemn people. That wasn't their job, okay? But rather to be an example. And that's what our job is. That's what we're called to do. We're, that's precisely what the children of light are supposed to do. We are to be examples. When we walk in a room, we are to illuminate the room with holiness, a righteousness, a set-apartness. Okay? We should look different than the darkness so much that our beauty in the Messiah makes the darkness of the world look ugly. You can't appreciate grace until you recognize how wicked you are. See what I'm saying? You can't appreciate how beautiful some, or how ugly something is until you see how beautiful something is. If 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 somebody with a complete holy attitude and uh, has, a, has a light walk about him, a righteousness about him. walks into a, walks into a um, place of ill repute, it's obvious which one is good and which one is bad, okay? It, to anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. You can see the difference between what is good, what is righteous, and what is unrighteous. We know that. Romans 1 said that that's been made, that's been made known since the beginning of the world. So when you walk into a place that, where everything's ugly and you are righteous... It should the, the, the contrast but should be so definite that you, have, that you have no choice but to recognize it. Okay? That's what it means not to participate, but rather let your light expose the wicked darkness. Okay? I'm going to stop here today um, in verse 11. And I'll pick back up in verse 12 next time I teach Yahweh willing. However, in closing, I want to say this. If you're a believer today, you have been commanded, you have been called, to walk in light. You've been given a task, just as the nation of Israel was given in Isaiah chapter 49, to be a light unto all nations. Use your light as a guide for those lost in darkness. Arnold always says this. He says, if you're going to lead somebody, shine the flashlight in their path. Don't shine it in their eyes. Don't do anything but blind them. Well, if you're a light today, and that's what you've been called to be, if you're a light today, then don't shine that flashlight in somebody's eyes, but rather... Light up the room so that they can see where they're going. That's what, that's what we're called to do. And let your good works stand out bright. Let them stand out bright for all to see. So, for this reason, so that the one who is able to see, that Yahweh's given the ability to see, so that person may give glory to your Father who's in heaven. All right? Let's stand and pray. Yahweh father i thank you for this day father i thank you for the new moon service and the and the uh and the church father i thank you for this church the body of believers that are here today to um to worship you to serve you to be obedient to your commands father i just give you praise for that father we, we're we're small but we're strong and um and uh, we're full of faith and father i'm thankful for that father i just pray that you uh that you bless these words that they would they would go out uh among the people here, and that they would fall on the ears. And Father, I just pray that that um, you'd let let the words penetrate their hearts. And Father, I pray that you're in it, not not me. It's just lips. It's just just lips speaking up here without you, Father. So I pray that you're part of it, and um, that what I say honors you, Father. I give you glory today. I pray that you'd let all these people make it home safe and um, come back safe next next Sabbath day, and let us continue to worship and serve you the way that we're supposed to. Uh, Most of all, Father, I'm so thankful for your only begotten Son. I give you praise for him and glory and honor for his life, his sacrificial death, his uh, perfect resurrection. Father, I'm just just super thankful for that. I give you praise for all that. And I ask all these things in your holy son's name. Amen. Amen.